what's going on guys, how are we? Good, it's good to see you guys. Hey, real quick, a heads up for next week. We are gonna start a brand new series, working our way, going through the book of Colossians. And I am pumped about this series for multiple reasons. One thing is there is so much packed into this small little book in the, in the New Testament that is absolutely at play for us. And in my opinion, I think it is eerily relevant for 2019 in Northern Colorado. So I'm, I'm pumped to see what might happen in that series. But before we get there, Today we got to close out Blueprint, where we've been looking at what are some of the different aspects that are needed for our relationships to thrive. And we start with maybe what's the foundation for our relationships look like? You know, just like any house, you got to start with a foundation, you got to build it strong, or you got some problems. So in our relationships, what foundations are we building on? Or what about the front door? That's an important part of your, of your house too, right? You're not going to let anybody or anything just waltz through your front door. You're going to be pretty discerning about what that is. Well, when it comes to our relationships, what do your front doors look like? Because who and what you walk through the front door, that's going to not only affect you, that's, that's going to shape who you are. Or are your relationships places where connections happen and do your relationships actually, actually grow and get stronger? Well, in a house, naturally, that kind of takes place around the kitchen table. So what are the kitchen tables in your relationships and are using them intentionally in order to build stronger and lasting connections? Or what about the bedroom, right? That's an important room for any house. And sometimes we think that's a little too taboo or a little too personal to talk about, but hey man, the bedroom's part of real life. It affects all of us. So is your perception of the bedroom meant for selfish fulfillment or is it actually a way for you to serve your spouse and create a stronger relationship? And then there's one more thing we're gonna look at today. Now, I don't know about you, but I absolutely love New York. Love going to New York. Some of you with me, you love New York. Anybody like New York? Anybody here like going to New York? Okay. Now, I bet it's equally as many people in here that hate New York and have no desire to go there at all, right? I'm all in. Love going to New York. I love the energy of the city. Love all the people, the diversity, the culture, the history. Fantastic. Um, one of the things that I love to do when I'm there, if, in between meetings in, in the city, I'll just build in some time where I can take a long walk. Because whenever you walk the city, you get to feel the energy of it. You get, you get some real interesting people watching in. You see some crazy stuff. It lives up to the stereotypes. You get to take in things like the architecture of the city. Man, whether you're walking through Soho or Times Square or Rockefeller Center, the, the diversity of the agriculture and our architecture is just as diverse as the city itself. It's, it's awesome. I love walking through residential areas. That's one of my favorite areas to walk. I got some friends in Harlem, love walking through Harlem and seeing just the different takes on the buildings. I, there's part of me that would love to live in New York. Just a small part of me that would think it was really awesome to live there. I don't think I'd ever want to do it. I could probably only afford to live in somebody's closet. But once you get past the practicality of it, it's kind of fun to think about. Well, whenever you're walking through the city and you're, you're checking out the different architecture, especially in residential areas, there's one thing that's almost impossible to miss. And that's seeing all of the fire escapes. Like these massive metal staircases that will scale the side of a building from roof to street. And, and you're looking at it and you can't help but notice them. Now, most of the buildings in New York are decades, if not over a century year old. So um, when they were originally built, these buildings, especially residential, there was a need to have a fire escape in them because what would happen if you were in your home and there was a fire? That's something we need to think about. If your apartment's on the 19th story, 
You're not jumping. Like, that's not happening. You got to have a way to get out of your home. So they built fire escapes. Makes a lot of sense. Pretty practical, right? Well, if we're using the illustration of a blueprint of a home to look at our relationships, in our relationships, have we also built fire escapes? Like if there's a fire, if there's trouble, if there's any kind of problem, have we built a fire escape so we can get out just in case? Now, when it comes to our relationships, you know, if we're looking at the foundation, if we have all the pieces in place, we've got great rooms, the foundation is strong, we got a killer kitchen table, awesome front door, all of that means nothing. If we just take the fire escape the first time we see smoke, like what good does it do to be intentional with our relationships? To try to build strong connections with the relationships that not only give you life, but give life to the people around you that are supposed to be a reflection of the goodness that's found in Jesus. What good does that do? All of that intentionality, all that commitment, all that hard work, if we just bail out the first time we smell smoke or see flames. So in our relationships, along with the foundation, along with the rooms, along with the kitchen table and the front door, have we built fire escapes just in case? Maybe, maybe not. You know, when we talk about being committed and, and talking about being intentional with our relationships specifically, that's far more than just words. It's a posture of the heart. It's also a practice. Because if, we, if we're quick to call it quits, if we're quick to use the fire escape when, when things don't go the way that we want them to or they get tough, then we got no shots in our relationships for the long haul. No shot. They won't last. So the question is, have you built a fire escape for your relationships? Maybe one of the ways to get the answer to that question is actually to look at the mentality you bring into your relationships. So if you got a Bible, open it to Mark 14. Mark chapter 14. Lots of people wanted a relationship with Jesus. Lots of people did. But intentionally or unintentionally, they also built fire escapes for their relationship with Jesus. So put yourself in his shoes right here. This is right after the Last Supper. This is right before he's going to be betrayed and then crucified. And Jesus knows all that's going down. He knows it's going to happen. So he spends the last few hours he's got with some of his closest friends. These 12 guys he was extremely intentional with. He poured into them for three years. He served with them. He served them. He, he spent time with them. He was generous to them. He taught them and encouraged them. He called things out of them that they didn't see. And he called, the, called them to something so much bigger than themselves. So he's having this dinner with them. And, and, and he's like, guys, you know what? Not only are you my followers, but now you're also my friends. And there's no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends. What Jesus is saying is, guys, I love you. You're not just my followers. You're my friends. And I don't use that word lightly. And I'm about to lay down my life for you. I'm about to die for you. You're spending your last few hours at dinner with your closest friends, the friends that you know you're about to go die for. Can you imagine how emotional that must have been for Jesus? So the dinner gets over and they, they leave. They go to this place called the Mount of Olives. They, they're going there just to pray. And on the way there, there's a conversation that happens. This is, this is the conversation during that walk. Verse 27. On the way, Jesus told them, all of you will desert me. Very uplifting, Jesus. That's great. Like you just told these guys, your friends, and that uh, now they're all going to bail out on you. I, I love that you assume the best with people, Jesus. Thank you. He keeps going. For the scriptures say... I'm being very sarcastic right there. I hope you catch that, all right? For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd 
and the sheep will be scattered. But after I'm raised from the dead, I'll go ahead of you to Galilee and I'll meet you there. Peter said to them, of course, Peter's the guy that speaks first. Even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you'll deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter declared emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I love this guy, I will never deny you. And all the others vowed the same thing. I mean, that sounds like good friends right there. I love his passion, love it. They sound like loyal friends. I mean, you gotta have a good relationship with somebody if you tell them, hey, I'm never leaving you. Even if that means I gotta die with you, I'm there. I mean, the, the blueprint for that kind of relationship has got to be extremely strong to vow, I'm not going to leave you and I will die with you. Jesus' disciples, his closest friends say, we're never leaving you. No matter what, even if, if we have to die, we will not leave you, Jesus. Fast forward just a couple hours. Verse 50. Then all his disciples deserted him and ran away. <laughs> Wait, What? We're never going to leave you. Even if it means we got to die, we will never leave you, Jesus. Then all his disciples deserted him and ran away. One young man following behind was clothed only in a long linen shirt. When the mob tried to grab him, he slipped out of his shirt and ran away naked. Like, what happened? Like they give this big dramatic plea about, hey, we got your back. We're not leaving you. And then just a couple hours later... Not a couple years, not extenuating circumstances later, just a couple hours and a cup of coffee later, they run away from Jesus like he's the plague. They're even willing to run away from him naked. Like why did they bail out so quickly? Why did they take the fire escape so quickly? Because apparently they had built that into their relationship. Here's what I want to understand. You spend three years with Jesus, three years, right? You're with him every single day you got to develop a pretty strong relationship, right? Especially if you're willing to vow that you're not leaving him, that you'll even die with him if it comes to that. You've got to have a really strong relationship. So what would cause you to bail out so quickly then? I mean, why do his friends take the fire escape so quickly, so easily? Well, the answer might be in the mentality they brought into that relationship. Let me explain it this way. Let's just say that you want to go get a new cell phone provider today. You're going to get a new plan, right? So you go check out Verizon and AT&T and Sprint and whoever else you want. You're, you're not looking at just cost. You're looking at who's got the best features, who's got the best terms, who's got the best coverage at the best cost. I'm looking for the best terms and agreement, the best features with the best coverage at the best cost, right? So you do your research, you find a network, you find a plan, and then what do you do? You sign a contract, Right? The contract says that the network is going to provide you these specific features and services. And in return, you are going to pay a ridiculous amount of money for a new phone. Hello, iPhone 11. $1,400. Really? Sorry, I'm going to get off on a soapbox here. You're going to pay for this phone and you're also going to pay monthly services, right? You agree to do this and in return, the network agrees to do that. Well, what happens if you stop paying your monthly bill? What happens? They cut you off, right? They cut you off. Well, what happens if the network decides to stop giving you the services and coverages that they agreed to? What happens? Contract's broken, right? 
You walk away from this agreed relationship because they're not giving you what they said they would give you and they're not giving you what you wanted. We'll take it a step further. Since we live in a market that is so rich with goods and services, everything's changing so quickly. Every single company is trying to one-up the competition. You know, better services, better features, better products, better coverage. Well, since we live in an ever-changing market, who wants to get tied down by a contract? Because in two months, after I sign this contract, two months later, another network might come and say, hey, we got all this cool stuff. You're going to want this more. I don't want to be tied down with a contract. No problem. Not only will that network offer you all this cool stuff, they'll buy you out of your contract. So that you get what you want, and in return, they get what they want from you. Basically, we are cool with the agreed upon relationship until we want something else or until something happens that we don't like. At that point, we're out. At that point, the contract's no good. It's this mentality, this contract mentality, that's what the disciples brought into the relationship with Jesus. Jesus, we expect you to do this and give us this. And if you don't, we're taken off. You're going to do for us this, and if you do that, we're in, great. But once you stop doing that, we're out. That a contract mentality. Well, what they want from Jesus? One thing they wanted was power. Multiple times, these guys are arguing with each other about who's the greatest, who's going to be the greatest. Two of the guys actually have their mom come ask Jesus if they could sit at his right and left hand. Yeah, as a leader, those are the guys you want next to you. <laughs> The guys that have their mom come ask it for you. <laughs> they wanted power. That's what they wanted. That's one of the privileges that go along with power. See, at that time they wanted Jesus to get rid of the Romans. Jer uh, Jerusalem was under Roman rule at that time. They wanted Jesus to overthrow the Romans and restore Israel as a world superpower. When he did that, that would mean they would get a seat at the inner table. They'd get to be a part of that. They'd get the privileges that come with that. They wanted power. I mean, it doesn't say it in the Gospels, but I think you could make a really strong argument that that might have been Judas' thinking when he betrayed Jesus. That he was trying to force Jesus' hand. All right, Jesus, you're not responding how I want you to. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. So I'm going to do something that's going to make you react. That might be why the disciples didn't leave him at first. When they're in the Garden of Gethsemane, that's right after the Mount of Olives, they're there praying before Jesus is betrayed. They're there, this mob, this huge mob comes to the disciples and comes to Jesus. It's at night, they got torches, they got clubs. At that point, most of us would leave. You see torches and pitchforks, most of us are going to take off, right? The disciples didn't. They didn't leave at that point. They let the mob get right up to them, right face to face with Jesus. And then at that point, guess who's the first to act? Peter again. The dude takes out a sword and cuts off a guy's ear. I don't know if he's really good with a sword or he's just got that bad of aim. I don't know. But who cuts off somebody's ear, honestly? So he's doing this thinking, all right, this is how it's going to go down. Now Jesus is going to have to flex. He's going to have to let the lion out of the cage. Now we are going to get what we want. Go get him, Jesus. Let's do this. It's not how Jesus responds. So he does the opposite. He, he bends down, picks up this poor dude's ear, dusts it off, 
And he puts it back on this guy's head, immediately healing him. And then he rebukes Peter. He says, Peter, that's not how this is going to happen. He says, we're not going to act out in violence. That's not, that's not what I'm here for. That's not how this is going to work. We're not going to do it this way. At that moment, that's when the disciples took off. That's when they realized he wasn't going to respond how they wanted him to. He wasn't going to do what they wanted him to do. And because of that, they weren't going to get what they wanted. They weren't going to get the power that they wanted. They weren't going to get the privileges that came with that power. They weren't going to have a seat at the inner table. They weren't going to get the kingdom they wanted from Jesus. So they ran. They had a contract mentality. Jesus, we are all in. We will never leave you as long as you do this. And when he didn't, they took off. It only took them a couple hours to use their fire escape because it only took a couple hours to expose that they were in it for themselves. They were committed to the results a relationship with Jesus could bring them, not the relationship itself. Is this contract mentality what we bring into our relationships? Man, I'm all in with this person. As long as they do that. I'll never leave this person as long as they keep bringing this to the table. Man, I got their back no matter what as long as they keep giving me this. I'm in this relationship for the long haul as long as this never happens. Man, when it comes to our relationships, friendships, marriages, family members, whoever, whatever kind of relationship, do we have a contract mentality where we look at them and say, hey, we're all in with these people until they break the contract that we've attached to that relationship in our mind, or we see something else that we want, or we see a sign of trouble. At that point, we take off. Is that what we do? Man, I don't think that we would ever audibly say it like that. And we may never even want to admit it, but this is just my opinion, so you can disagree with me all you want. But I would just say this. I think a lot of times our relationships, we approach them like they're contracts. I'm good as long as you do this. But the second you do that, I'm out. There's multiple reasons why, but is that one of the reasons why the divorce rate's so high? Why it's over 50%? Because marriage is a contract. I agree to this, you agree to that. Once you don't do that, I'm out. This is why loneliness and depression and isolation are at extreme highs, even though we live in the most technologically connected era ever, because we view relationships like they're contracts. Now, quick disclaimer, quick disclaimer. There are absolutely reasons to get out of a relationship. If there's abuse or abandonment or you're in danger or you're unsafe, get out, please. Get help, get out. I'm not saying there are not reasons to get out of a relationship. In fact, that's an entirely other discussion that, that we need to spend a lot of time on. But for today, in relationships in general that don't have that disclaimer, do we just treat them like they're contracts? Or is there a different way? Right before uh, the disciples make this huge plea with Jesus, how they're never going to leave him, as long as you do this, Jesus, Jesus talks about relationships in a much different language. He says in verse 24, he says, this is, the blood, this is my blood which confirms the covenant, covenant, key word, the covenant between God and his people. Well, Jesus is God. So this is the covenant he's saying between you and between me. Jesus was not interested in a contractual relationship. He was interested in a covenant. Matt, that sounds like semantics. 
I mean, is, is, is there a difference? Yeah, there's a difference. Contract is void once somebody violates it. Covenant's still intact. A contract can be broken, but a covenant is a perpetual promise. A contract is a mutually beneficial relationship. A covenant's about fulfilling a relationship, even if it's not mutually beneficial. Contracts are exchanging one good for another. A covenant is about giving yourself to the other person. You can opt out of a contract, but a covenant is about having the strength to keep your end of the deal. In a contract, you can stop paying if, if the other person doesn't pay or make good on their end of the deal. But in a covenant, it's about keeping your promise to fulfill your end of the deal, even when the other person doesn't fulfill theirs. So how are our relationships actually set up between each other? Are they set up like contracts or covenants? Contracts are about what I can get. Covenants are about what I can give. Contracts are self-oriented. Covenants are about self-sacrifice. Contracts are fear-based, right? I don't do this or here's the consequences. Covenants are always love-based. Are our relationships set up like contracts or covenants? If the answer is a contract, then you're going to unintentionally or even intentionally set up fire escapes so you can get out when things don't go the way that you want or you don't get what you want. Jesus' disciples, his closest friends, were more afraid of what would happen to them than trust they had in Jesus and who he was in the relationship they had. They had this elevated view of themselves, so self-confident, so sure, we're way too strong to back out on this deal. We won't leave. Instead of having, having an honest and humble view of their own weakness. They were more concerned about what they would get and what would happen how things would play out instead of being concerned about following Jesus no matter where he went, no matter what the cost. They were far more interested in what they could get from Jesus instead of what they could give. Are you more interested in the results a relationship can bring you or are you more interested in the relationship itself? Like how you answer that question honestly is gonna tell you what kind of mentality you bring into a relationship. Since Jesus gives us a covenant that's supposed to be life-giving and fulfilling, shouldn't all of our relationships between each other, shouldn't all of them be modeled the exact same way? But here's the thing. Your character is only as strong as the covenant you keep. Are you keeping covenants? Or are you just bailing out on contracts when you don't get what you want or they seem to be broken? But Matt, what if I get burned? Like what if my relationships flop? What if people keep making me promises? What if people keep telling me that they've got my back? What if people keep promising me that they will never leave? And they just keep leaving me. Like fire escapes are protection. Is it really that bad to have that kind of protection in a relationship? Those are absolutely valid questions. Absolutely. But hear me on this and look right at me. You will get hurt in relationships. You will get hurt. You will get walked down on. And that's one of the most painful things that you can experience. But that doesn't mean you have to lower your own standards and walk out on your own character. 
It also means you don't have to use a fire escape for things that aren't fire. Again, real fire, we run from. Danger, abuse, get out. But in relationships, disappointment is not fire. Awkwardness is not fire. Not getting what you want is not a fire. It's not. Getting hurt in a conversation, it's not fire. Even having broken trust, not necessarily is fire. Don't build fire escapes into your relationships and then use them when you don't get what you want or you use them because you think you're in the middle of a fire and you're not. A fire escape is a quick and easy way. It's a cheap way to have shallow, temporary relationships. That's all it is. It doesn't give you assurance. It doesn't give you protection. It gives you shallow. It gives you temporary. And it removes commitment. It removes covenant. Think about it this way. What if Jesus approached a relationship with us like it was a contract? I don't have to say anything else. That's it right there. Ouch. It's our relationship that can be broken. He viewed it as like, this has to be a mutually beneficial relationship where we have to provide something that is good in return for something that Jesus provides for us that is good. Jesus offers us eternal life. What can we possibly provide him that is mutually beneficial? Like what if he looked at a relationship with us as, as something that he could opt out of? That it was broken if we didn't keep our end of the deal. And if we're talking contract with Jesus, then our end of the deal has to be perfection. That means we have to live a perfect, sinless life in order to be mutually beneficial. What happened if Jesus would look at us as a relationship that was a contract, that if we broke it or he saw something else that he wanted more, he could walk? Thank God he doesn't look at us like that. There is no contract in his eyes. Instead, he offers a covenant and he says, here's the covenant that I'm offering you. This covenant, there is no goods or services that you can provide for me that I lack. There are no terms that have to be fulfilled or this relationship is null and void. There is no payment plan. There's nothing good that you can provide me that I need. There's nothing you can do to break this. I'm making this covenant with you based on my own power, my own perfection, and my own promises. And the reason why I'm doing it is because I love you. That's it. That's my why. It's because I love you. I just want to give you me and I just want you. You can trust me. You can follow me. I will not leave you. I will not turn my back on you. I am all in on you and I will prove it to you when I die for you. And I only die for my friends. And I'll prove it to you when I resurrect from the dead. This is the covenant that Jesus offers us. It's a covenant. It's not a contract. If we're offered this kind of life-giving, non-breakable covenant, then shouldn't all of our relationships be modeled the same way? And I'm not going to walk on you when you screw up. I'm not going to bail out when you hurt me. The covenant that Jesus offers us, there's no fire escape attached to it. He doesn't know how to build them. So should we build ours the same way? And fire escapes aren't just the obvious, I'm leaving this relationship and it's done for good. It's not that. That's the obvious answer. But they also look another way, look like this. If I'm mad at my wife and I just don't want to talk to her for the rest of the day and I avoid her, that's a fire escape. 
I haven't left her, but I'm ignoring her. I'm bailing out of the hard stuff. That's actually where, where we get stronger. Fire escape with my kids. If I'm getting frustrated with my kids or angry with them, it's much easier for me to express that frustration and just come down on them very hard or in an exasperating way. That's a whole lot easier. It's a fire escape compared to getting down on my knees at their eye level and explaining to them truthfully, graciously with love, here's how you get better. Doesn't mean we avoid discipline. Discipline's an act of grace, right? Punishment's different. There's a difference between the two. Punishment, if you're in Jesus, you'll never be punished. Punishment was taken care of on the cross. Discipline's something far different. It's an act of love. It's to grow you stronger. It's a lot harder for me personally. I don't know about you. It's, I'm honest. It's really hard for me to get down on my knees. I level with my kids when I'm mad at them. Because that's where it takes effort. That's where it takes patience. The fire escape is just for me to blow up on them because that's a whole lot easier and it makes me feel better. But it destroys the relationship, doesn't it? Build your relationships, not like contracts. Build them on covenants, just like the covenant that Jesus has offered you. And if you want them to last, if you want them to be rich, if you want all the work that you've put into them to matter, get rid of the fire escapes. Get rid of them, tear them down. Let's pray. God, thank you for being a relational God. Where you don't approach us like we're a contract. Because man, I would have failed and, and broken that long ago and honestly on a daily basis. Thank you for being so good to love me enough to build our relationship on your strength and your covenant. Even when I violate that covenant, you don't run. God, I pray that we would enjoy the relationship that you offer us in your son, that we would enjoy this covenant, and that that would affect all of our other relationships, that LifeBridge would be a place where relationships are based on covenant, not contracts, where people are loved and accepted in their mess, that when we sin against each other, when we hurt each other, we don't bail out, but we actually lean in and press harder. God, I pray that you would let us experience that with you today and let it trickle out throughout the rest of our lives. We love you. We want to worship you right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.